0: Who's it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabbi. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not gone to return to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God." Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them the things that he had said. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to gather. It's a privilege to be alive today. It's a privilege to be here at Bible Fellowship Church as a family. Thank you for bringing friends and loved ones together with us this morning. Father, thank you most of all that Jesus is alive this morning. No matter what else the world will celebrate this weekend, may we celebrate that well. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you that you had enough power three days later that you rose again to cover my sin penalty. So Jesus said, we've gathered today. We ask for your strength, for your wisdom. We ask for your word to speak very clearly. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move deep in our hearts. That it wouldn't just be a Sunday where we just came and we sang some songs and enjoyed our time together, but that we hear your voice and that your voice leads to deep life change. It has become in your name. Amen. Would you stand and greet each other? Tell each other your first and last name. I recognize that it's, it's this weekend. Millions and millions of people will call it Easter weekend. It's fascinating to me that around the world, people will be celebrating a lot of different things this time of the year. And so as I've been um, just thinking through this week, uh, leading up to this opportunity to share with you this morning, I've been thinking about this weekend And what does it really mean to me as an individual? And what should it mean to us as a church, as a family? And knowing that we will all have our weekend, and I'm not against the the Easter egg part and the chocolate part and all that stuff. I'm not against any of those things. If you have grandchildren, uh, buy your grandchildren chocolate. Let them celebrate Easter weekend. Have fun with them. But it's... It's easy for us to, in the busyness, just let Easter weekend just fly right by. And it's also easy for us, and especially living in America, that we just take this stuff for granted. That we really don't stop and think what it costs for this weekend. You know, we live in, in, a, in a day and age where it's really all about us, and let's make me happy, and, and uh, then, then if I'm happy, everybody else is happy, but that, this weekend doesn't stand for that at all. This weekend, as I've been thinking about, is, you know, we celebrate He's risen. And that's, that's exciting for me to think about all the other different people that are celebrating and celebrating a lot of different gods all around the world. We're celebrating the one that's alive today. His name's Jesus. And so that's just, you know, neat for me as we gather together as, as a family. And then I think about this as a, as a choice where do you go from here? You know, you're going to be involved in church, and you're going to leave, and some will stay for coffee and donuts, and you go wherever you need to go, and you have your Easter lunch, and get some rest later on, and then Monday's coming. Sad to say, it's amazing how fast the weekend goes. It's always amazing how quick Monday arrives, but it's coming. So, what will you do with the Word of God leading in to Monday? How will it affect your life tomorrow? And so as I've been thinking about this weekend, I've been thinking about, first of all, saying thank you to God. If you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 1. I realize when you get there, you're going to say, you know, you're crazy for reading this passage of Scripture. This is what we always read at Christmas. You don't read this at Easter, but I've been, just as I've been thinking about God, and and it's fascinating to me as I think about God and I think about Matthew chapter 1, that God knew somebody was going to have to pay the penalty for sin. And so as I've been thinking about God, I've been thinking about, you know, God's had to, to make a choice to say, you know what, if I'm going to have a relationship with us or me as Patterson, if, I, if God wants to have a relationship with me, he's going to have to do something to make that happen. Because he's holy. He's perfect. And I'm a sinner. So as I've been thinking about this week, I've been saying, you know what, God, thank you for being willing to cover the cost of sin. God knew we would be sinners. God knew we would need a Savior. And God wanted to be with us. Look at Matthew chapter 1. If you look at, you know, I know you know the story, so I'm not going to read it all. But jump over um, to verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be a child, she'll give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God wanted to be with you. God wanted to have a personal relationship with you. And what's amazing to me is he knew how much it was going to cost in order to call you friend. In order for your sin penalty to be paid, he knew the cost. And so God said, you know what? If I'm going to have a relationship with them, I'm going to count the cost. I'm going to consider the cost. I'm going to think about that and say, you know what? Because I want to be with them, I will make a payment so that you and I could have a personal relationship with God. And as I've entered into this weekend, I've thought about that. I've thought about the Good Friday. And I've thought about this this time that we're going to gather and celebrate. Oh yeah, it's Easter and everybody's happy. But there's a lot that took place. Not over this specific weekend. But as we stop and to remember Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, please don't stop without saying, God, I want to thank you for. God, I want to say thank you for you being willing to cover the cost of my sin. I also want to say thank you to Jesus. Now, why would I want to say thank you to Jesus? A lot of different reasons. What I want to say thank you to Jesus this weekend, specifically, is to say thank you for loving sinners. Now, think about that. If you're part of the creation of the world, and you created the world, and then God came to you and said, by the way, I want to have a relationship with those human beings, and they're pretty messed up. They've They've got a big problem, and it's called sin. And that sin problem is not going to go away, but I want a relationship with them. I want to be involved in their lives. I want to make sure that they know that they have hope in the world that changes all around them. I want them to know that. Jesus could have said, you know what, God? I'm not really interested in your plan because those people really aren't worth dying for. They don't have all their lives together. They're a bunch of sinners. Let's make it a little bit more personal. How many of you would be willing to die for somebody that you didn't like? How many of you would be willing to die for somebody Not only that you didn't like, but because they were a sinner, they rubbed you the wrong way. So this weekend, I think it's important for us to stop and say thank you to Jesus for being willing to die for sinners. Luke chapter 5. Jesus picked a tax collector in in Luke chapter 5 and verse 27. He said to him, follow me. And the Pharisees and the teacher of the law, the church people, the guys that knew that this Messiah should be coming, they're saying, by the way, why would you pick that guy? He's a sinner. And Jesus looked him in the eye in chapter 5 and verse 31 and he said this. Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance. came for you. He wanted you to know this weekend specifically that he loves sinners. I have this the passion of Christ. The woman that they caught in adultery Who's going to cast the first stone? Think about Luke chapter 5. I read to you the, the 31. I want you to look at Luke chapter 7. Jesus' love for sinners. The Pharisees, they'd reclined at the table, they're having dinner. This is chapter 7 and verse 36. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in the town learned that Jesus was eating with the Pharisees' house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Verse 38. And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with his tears, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. You say, why are you reading that? Because you know who should have been kissing Jesus' feet? were the ones sitting around that table. But they're the ones who are saying, you know what, do you see that woman? I'm sure that Jesus has no idea who this woman is. Jesus knew exactly who the woman was. And he wanted to uh, paint a vivid picture in a culture where women were looked down upon. And so that woman, however much courage it took, we've talked about this before, for her to work her way through that crowd, to get to that table, to stand next to Jesus' feet, to undo her hair, and with her tears, she wiped his feet. He wanted you to see a vivid word picture of what? That he loves sinners. And if you were sitting around that table, you'd have been looking at that woman. That that woman's a sinner. She shouldn't be over here doing this. Doesn't he know who this is? He knew exactly who it was. He wanted you to know that he loves sinners this morning. And I think it's an opportunity for us to stop and say, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for loving sinners. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 20. Just another reminder of Jesus' love for sinners. His disciples in Matthew chapter 20 are going up to Jerusalem. He took the 12 aside. He said, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed by the chief priests. Should have got their attention. They should have started maybe a prayer meeting. They should have said, hey, God, Jesus, what's really going on here? What are you talking about? It's not what they're worried about. The Gentiles are going to mock him. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be crucified. And on the third day, he's going to rise again. They didn't get any of that. They didn't get any of that. What did they get? Well, the mother of Zebedee, John's son, um, the mother of Zebedee's son, came to Jesus, kneeled with her sons, and kneeling down, asked favor on him, what do you want, he asked. She said, grant the one of these of two of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Seriously? That's what you're asking me? I just explained to these guys that I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to rise again. You're asking me What? Who's going to sit on the right or left in the throne? And if it would have been me, because I don't really prefer favoritism, if it would have been me, if I would have been Jesus, I would just wipe those guys off the face of the earth. That would have been me. But that's not how Jesus responded. How did Jesus respond? Verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as the ransom for men. You need to think about those words. Where He could have made a, a, a great demonstration of His power to His disciples, He just loved them. And he gave him some truth. Here's the truth, guys. It doesn't matter who's going to sit on the right and left. And that's not really my, my call. That's my father's call. But I want you to know something, men. You want to be great in my kingdom? You better serve. I'm sure that those disciples must have walked away with their, tail, their head between their tails, looking back, thinking, how, how dumb were we? Of all the things that we could ask him, them, why did we ask them that question? For you and I to recognize that even disciples that were closest to Jesus... Sinners, and the other thing that that amazes me about Jesus is Jesus could have said, You know what? I don't mind coming to this earth and I don't mind just walking around for 33 years and loving sinners. I don't mind doing that. Jesus just didn't love us with His words. Not only did he love sinners with his words he was willing to demonstrate his love take your bible and go to john chapter 18 john chapter 18 They're coming to arrest him. Judas is going to betray him. You know the, the, the story. Simon Peter whips out his sword and he cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. That's John chapter 18, verse 10. But look at verse 11. But Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup? The Father has given choice, right there, to demonstrate His love for you. Have you stopped this weekend and said, thank you, Jesus, not only that you loved sinners, but that you were willing to demonstrate your love to me flogged him. I shared this on Friday night. Most likely what we know is that they did take some chains and bind him to a specific area so that he he could not get away. But I'm just wondering at this, this time these Roman soldiers that were mocking this guy that you and I call Jesus that for the first time in their lives when they flogged somebody this person did, didn't really have a desire to run away. This person didn't cry out and say, "By the way, this isn't this is unfair." Had he done anything wrong? Had he ever sinned? No. He just stood there, and he took it. And then, as you as you read through Scripture, and, and if you Look at, you know, John chapter 9, 19, they, fl- they flogged him, they mocked him. And to think that he's there and they've got the whip and he has the power to just walk away. He has the power to stop the whip midstream and be the first one in history to ever stop the whip and say, by the way, guys, we're done here. You're, you're not going to do this to me. See, I'm the one that created you. I'm the one that knows all about you. The one that was mocking him. Why didn't he just vaporize that guy's tongue? The one that ripped out his beard. Why didn't he punch him back? You know why he did it? He wanted you to know that he loved you, not just with his words. But he demonstrated it. He made the choice. To say, yep, go ahead. I'm willing to die for them. It's also interesting as I think about the crucifixion. The part where he carried his cross. And he got to the side, the hillside. And he's got the two criminals on, on each side of him. And I could just imagine the criminals on each side, they were fighting for everything that they were worth because they didn't do anything wrong and they're screaming out at the guards. They say, this isn't fair. And I don't know how they did it, but I'm just imagining that nobody's willing to let their arm go out and be crucified. So once they got their arms stretched out, they probably wrapped rope around their arms so they wouldn't be wiggling around when they drove, drove the, the nails through his arm. But the middle cross was a little bit different, I think. So I think the cross that Jesus died on, he just laid his arm out there. It wasn't a fight. You know why? He was thinking about you. He wanted you to know that you're valued. He wanted you to know what it would mean to have a safe. So I'm sure as these guards are, are, are wrestling and fighting with the guys on the outside, the guy in the middle that the Roman soldiers were dealing with was different. He went ahead and put his feet over the top. Go ahead and nail me to this cross. The one who did nothing wrong. for you First Timothy shares this with us. First Timothy chapter 2 For there is one God verse five, one mediator between God and man, That man is Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. You know one of the things that you need to celebrate this weekend? The Roman soldiers didn't kill Jesus. He chose to die. He gave up his life for you because he knew what it was about. He knew there had to be a ransom paid. He knew that his Father God Wanted a relationship with you, and he knew that there was only one way to go about that to die on a cross for you. He gave his life up as a ransom. Second Corinthians. Chapter five. Verse twenty one. God made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us. What you really need to say is, God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for you. So that in Him, you might become the righteousness of God. That's why He died. He came to pay the price for your sin. I realize that we're here to celebrate this weekend and saying thank you to Jesus as well as that He is risen. In John chapter 20, which we read with you this morning already, the tomb was empty. Mary found that out. The disciples found that out. If you look at at John chapter 20, verse 26 through 30, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas, who was with them, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, son, I'll show you my nail scarred hand. Have you ever thought what it's going to be like when you take your last breath on this earth? And whenever it's finished here, the first person that you have the possibility of seeing is the one that will hold the nail-scarred hands out for you. What will you say to him? Do you look at Thomas's life? Put your finger here, reach out your hand, put it in my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You've already got a blessing. You're here this morning, you believe. And blessed. Blessed are those who haven't seen and believed. It's Easter weekend. All around the world it's Easter weekend. He's alive. You finish out John chapter 20, you read these words. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. Verse 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing you may have life in his name. Many other things could be written. But these are here as an account for you to look at, to consider, to think about, to stop and evaluate, whatever you want to do, but it's Easter weekend. And what Easter weekend really represents, in, in my mind, is, is an opportunity for me to stop and say, God, thank you for what you're willing to do. God, thank you for being willing to pay the price, count the cost, offer the sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. And we all know that he loves us. That's what we want to hear about it. Oh, God, does God love you? Yeah, he loves you. But he wanted you to personally know that. So he personally reached out to his arms to you today and says, yep, I'll demonstrate my love to you. I wonder what it was like, if you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 28. I wonder what it was like the day after for this individual. Wonder what it was like for the guards. Those individuals that have been trained to protect the tomb. They were told, hey, we've heard about these disciples, so go ahead and place a guard there, the soldiers. And you guard the tomb. You know what happened? Those guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that happened. when the chief priest, had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave those soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. You ever wonder what it was like for those guards? I wonder if any of those guards were there when they'd crucified him. I wonder if any of those guards maybe had been working with the, 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 uh, the thief And the fight that took place and they just kept glancing over watching this guy that the Jews called Jesus. And the sign was over his head. And when they heard these words, it is finished. I'm thinking, those guys must have been thinking, what's going on here? This is the weirdest crucifixion we've ever been to in our lives." I wonder if they volunteered that night to be the guard. And when they saw the empty tomb, you ever wonder how they responded? It's fascinating to me as I think through this weekend. I don't have the source of this, but I was reading what somebody put the other day, and it said the greatest man in history had no servants, but they called him master, had no degree but they called him teacher, had no medicine, yet they called him healer, had no army, yet kings feared him, he won no military battles, yet he conquered the world, he committed no crime, yet they crucify him, he was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today, his name is Jesus. And so you get to a point when you get to this part of our time together, this Easter weekend, what do you do? See, a lot of people come and they're with their family. So we just, what do you do? Well, we go to Easter weekend. We go to church. That's what we do. My question to you today is, what will you do with Jesus? That's what really Easter is. It's an opportunity for the whole world to stop and say, what am I going to do with Jesus? You have a choice this morning. There's only one of two choices. You either accept Him or you will reject Him. See, there's no doubting this. You can't analyze this away. See, God had an opportunity To demonstrate his love for you. So what did he do? He sent his son to die on a cross for you. Three days later he rose again. That's called God's provision. That provision was what was needed to pay the penalty for your sin. How will you respond? We say, I, you know, I, I can, no response is a response. You have to make, a, you're going to make a decision. You either one or two people sitting in this room. You've either accepted him or you've rejected him. It's in front of you again. It's in front of you. You sit here It's a cro- as a cross. I was riding the other day, riding down 64. It's in front of me. Every, every um, power pole is designed in a cross. It's fascinating to me. And you can go for miles, and it's just, there's the cross, there's the cross, there's the cross, all the way along. Go out, ride around on 60, 64, 66, just go for a long ride on the country road, and look at the power pole. And it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what the news says. It's everywhere. He's everywhere. And so you've gathered this morning. He's, he's made a provision. It's your, it's your opportunity. Here's what's called worship. It's your court now. What will you do? Well, I don't need him. Okay, hey, it's your choice. But you'll never have hope the way I have hope. You'll never have peace the way I have peace. You'll be looking for one thing to the next thing to make you happy. I want to say something to some of you that say, you know what, I've accepted him. I want you to think about what that means. Matthew chapter 22. The Pharisees got together and one of them was an expert in the law, so they're going to test Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. How much do you love them today? How willing are you to love your neighbor, the person that is around you? And I think it really gets personal when you look at John chapter 13, because I think a lot of us, you know, we think about love and we think about the emotion. Well, if it makes me feel good, then I'll love that person. Well, then Jesus made it one step farther in John chapter 13 and verse 34. A new commandment, I've given you, love one another as I love you. So you must love one another. How did he love you? Sacrificially. So you get to this weekend and most of us, we gathered together and, we're, and most of us were sitting here. You know what, Jesus? Yeah, I've accepted Jesus. This is a great Easter weekend. You know what that means? Sacrifice. You know what that means? Laying your life down for him. God, is this what you want from me? Then I'll do it. an opportunity to stop today and say, thank you, God, for being willing to cover the cost of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for loving sinners and demonstrating your love for me by dying on the cross. And as I walk out of this, I say these words to you publicly, and this is in my heart. Holy Spirit, help me to follow the example set before me. As I uh, end our time, They're gonna, we're going to close with a, with a song this morning. Gonna, the ladies are going to come sing a song of worship. If you'd like to join the part, you can. But I, I really want it to be a time of reflection for you. I was listening to somebody talk the other day about a passage of Scripture, and it was John chapter 9, verse, verse 25. It's the account where the Pharisees... Had brought this blind man. And this blind man, Jesus took mud and put it on his eyes, and it was the Sabbath, and he healed this guy. And these Pharisees, they were just livid that Jesus healed anybody on the Sabbath. That was considered a work. And so they were, they were all bent out of shape. And so they're going around trying to call what Jesus did sin. And they went to a lot of different you know, things to, to look at it. How can this, if you look at 16, the Pharisees said, This man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others ask, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs on the Sabbath? So then they go all the way back to the, to the, to the guy that was healed, the blind man. And this is his response in the midst of all of this stuff. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Were you blind and now you see? Were you blind and your life has changed because he's part of it? It's Easter weekend. It's an opportunity to worship. Thank you for choosing to be with us. But I pray this Easter weekend is not just an emotional, feel good weekend for you. It's been a time where you're going to stop and say, Thanks, God. No matter what will be said or said around us living in America, you are the minority. Be excited about it. Do something with it. Don't run and hide. Stand on truth. He lived on this earth for 33 years. He had lots of opportunities to disobey his father. But he chose not to. You know why? Because he wanted you to have a Savior. He wanted you to have eternal life. So he chose to die on a cross for your sin. I want you to pray with me. You're sitting here. I'm going to ask you a question Have you accepted him? You have, you're the blind, and now you see that you can make sense out of turmoil. But there's a temptation for those of us that have been blind, and now we see there's a temptation. What that temptation is to live for ourselves, to make sure that you're happy. He loves you too much. So maybe you just need to stop and just be reminded, yeah, you've you've put your faith in Jesus. But maybe today's a day that you just say, you know what, Jesus, I need to turn the car back over to you. No matter how scary that might be. And I promise when you give Him the car back, when you let Him become Lord of your life, when you say, I surrender, there's no greater joy than that. You won't be able to make sense of your life. You'll be asking yourself over and over again, how? You really want me to do this? Oh, come on. There's just no way. Yeah, I want you to do that. Because that's what I asked my son to do. I ask him to die on the cross. I'm going to ask you to die too. Sitting here, you accepted him, keep running. If you rejected him, no greater day than today for you to stop and say, you know what, Jesus? I recognize I'm a sinner. I see you made a provision for me and I'm going to trust your provision. I'm going to put my faith in you, Jesus. If you're here this morning, that's you. Say yes to him. The so Father, you know what you, you need to do in each of our hearts as we end our time of worship here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this opportunity to gather. Thank you, God, for being willing to pay for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to love me and demonstrate your love for me. Holy Spirit, I need your help. The example's been set for me And I ask you to mold my heart to be more like Jesus. If you're here this morning, you'd like to pray with somebody afterwards. We do have the What's Next ministry. We close with this song. As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, don't run. Don't make excuses. Don't think about your spouse or your neighbor or somebody else that really needs to hear whatever he's saying. Listen to the still, small voice and surrender.